Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. Now I have a great privilege to introduce our speaker today. I get to introduce Dwight Bain, who is a nationally certified counselor. He owns and operates the LifeWork Group Coaching and Counseling out of Orlando, where they focus on solving crisis events with creative solutions. He helps people rewrite their stories through the power of creative change. Dwight is a very trusted media resource who has been interviewed on over 500 radio and television stations, as well as quoted on over 100 newspapers and websites, including such newspapers as the New York Times, the Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, Chicago Tribune, the Atlanta Journal, our own Orlando Sentinel, the Miami Herald, Newsday, Fox Business, MSNBC. He is an accomplished author, and I encourage all of you to get this book, Destination Success by Dwight. It will help change your life in a positive direction. He is a senior trainer in community crisis management, certified and credentialed by the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation and the University of Maryland, which has allowed him to help rebuild stability after national disasters like Columbine, the Parkland school shooting, Hurricane Katrina, the Orlando Pulse terrorist attack, and the devastation in New York City after the terrorist attacks of 9-11, where he worked with a team helping first responders and survivors. Dwight is one of Pastor Terry's overseers and his personal counselor. My wife and I have been very privileged to sat under some of his training when it comes to critical incident response. He is a lifelong resident of Orlando, which I really love, which means he cares about the community that he lives in. He doesn't drive in, try to fix Orlando, and then drive home. He lives in our community. He lives with his wife, Sheila, of over 30 years. They're two young adult children, an assortment of pets. I love that about him, too. And most of all, personally for me, he's my mentor and my friend. Please stand to your feet and help me welcome Dwight Bain, Dr. Dwight Bain. Bless you. Thanks. Thank you all. Please have a seat and then help me answer the age-old question. We're going to solve relationship problems. Does the toilet paper come off the top? Does it come off the bottom? If you're a come off the top, raise your hand. Come off the top. All right. Come off the bottom. If you're just happy it's there for your bottom... I mean, I, I, it sounds like we're in over the top, so Sean, I, I have to meddle. Am I allowed to meddle? Yes. If the toilet paper spool, I mean, if it's empty, should somebody replace it yes. or leave it for the next person? <laughs> if you say they should replace it and save their marriage, raise your hand. <laughs> I ain't asking the other, because if you don't replace it, Counseling can't help you. <laughs> 29 months ago, Friday, over 800 days ago, 126 weeks ago, the biggest crisis in our country, 
Is there going to be enough toilet paper? You say, would people fight about that? Ladies and gentlemen, people fight about lots of stuff, and that's what we came to talk about. It is fight night at the Father's house. (laughs) Should you have a difficult conversation? Well, the answer is yes. You see, I've been a counselor for 30 years. That's my heart's desire, my calling, my passion. And I can tell you that relationships bring the greatest joy in life or the greatest pain in life. If a complete stranger says something, who cares? If somebody that you love says something, it can cut you to the quick, and you can remember it 30 years later. Relationships bring the greatest joy or the greatest pain. And when we ignore relationship problems, you think they get better? No. It's weird. There's an old saying, silence is golden. Not in relationships. Because in relationships, if you know there's a problem, shh, and you don't say or do something about the problem, problems get bigger. It's kind of like cancer. When should you go get cancer checked? The answer's about as soon as you know that there's cancer. When there's a relationship problem, we're going to look at that today. People say, well, I don't want to talk about it. That doesn't make relationship problems go away. Today we're talking about how to have a hard conversation. And maybe the hard conversation is about a teenager, a daughter, a granddaughter who is finding their way and we can't talk. Maybe the hard conversation is talk to the hands because I'm not listening to you. Maybe the hard conversation is being able to deal with out of control kids who are addicted to their phones that you're paying for. That's kind of a weird one. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to turn off my phone. You see, there's a concept I learned in parenting. It's a fantastic concept. It's called the golden rule. You guys ever heard of the golden rule here at the Father's house? It's really simple. Sean, it works like this. I have the gold. I make the rules. It's my phone. It's the coolest thing. I'm paying for your phone so I can unplug it but it would hurt her feelings. Golden rule of parenting, right? There's some hard conversations and sometimes it's kids are out of control, running the place. Sometimes it's secrets. Sometimes it's flirting. Sometimes it's like, oh, nobody will ever know. No, people always know. This is a hard one and it happens every single day. Somebody says, I don't wanna think about estate planning. I don't want to think about insurance. I don't want to think about a will. I don't want to think about a funeral. Right now, I'm told one-third of the lawyers in Florida don't have a will, which either means one of two things. It either means, one, they're afraid to die, or two, they're among the undead, like the walking dead. I'm not sure which. No, it's, it's they don't want to think about dying. Just to kind of, just to kill the mood, pun intended, Turn to somebody next to you and say, you're going to die. You're going to die. It's going to happen. I'm sure some of you are thinking, if he doesn't change the subject quick, he's going to die. It's going to happen. I found out 15 years ago, I was going to die. Wasn't planning on it, but I had a heart attack. I was the most surprised person in that ambulance. You know, when you're riding in an ambulance, 
and you're on the gurney, you're looking at the interstate. I'm used to looking through the front window, not the, and I was, and, and it's not like the movies, it really burns. Had a heart attack. And what I found out was, you're not gonna be here. There's a file folder in my desk at home. It says Dwight's funeral. It has all the important numbers, the passwords to everything in my life. It has everything written down because I don't want on the worst day, if I'm killed in a car crash, for my family to say, what happens next? A friend of mine, wonderful friend of mine, died with COVID. He was 62, I think. Completely unexpected. His wife died the week before from COVID. There are four college-age kids. Didn't have a password for anything. And it was chaos. And some people came together just to help him figure out because what does a 20-year-old know about funerals? But if there'd been a file folder to make life better for the people that you love on the worst day, that's a hard conversation. But I know if you don't have the conversation, you're still going to die, and cancer still comes, and car accidents still come. And I just want you to know it doesn't have to be that way. We can have a hard conversation. What about intervention? Being able to come alongside and confront. I had that happen to me six months before that heart attack. Kevin McCarthy, the on-purpose coach, said, Dwight, it's urgent. We have to talk. What do you want for lunch? I said, I don't understand. He said, I'm going to bring you lunch, but we have to talk. It's urgent. Okay, fine. Bring me a tuna fish salad sandwich. Great. He comes to my office, and he said, you're run ragged. You're 50 pounds overweight. You're taking care of everybody except you, and I'm worried about your health. I said, Kevin, you interrupted my schedule for this? I am fine. I was insulted. Six months later, had a heart attack. About six days later, when you're coherent, because half the people, half, half the middle-aged guys have heart attacks, die. I got to live. Every day is a bonus. I don't worry too much about traffic because every day is a bonus. I got to go to my kids' graduations. I got to dance at my daughter's wedding. I got to do bust a move kind of stuff. Got my MC Hammer going on. I mean, it went viral. I mean, it was complete embarrassment. And I almost cried because I got to dance at her wedding because I got a second chance. So when Kevin's at the heart unit, my wife didn't know who he was. And she said, there's this guy here named Kevin. You want to talk to him? And it was like, oh, man. Yes, any man. I'm still hooked up to all this stuff. I said, hey, Kevin, what's up? He said, I came to check on you. I said, go ahead and say it. What did I think he was going to say? Told you so. And I said, go ahead and say it. I know you came to say, I told you so. He said, why would I say that? I told you so six months ago. I came to say, thank God you're alive. And I'm glad you're okay. There's still work to do. Here's the weird thing. People like to say, I told you so after it blew up. Wouldn't it be great before everything blows up to have the hard conversation? To be able to intervene, to be able to say, you know what? I think it's time to take the car keys. I don't think you're safe to drive. That's a hard conversation. Or you know what? You lose your cool. You lose your temper. You expect all of us just to be okie-dokie and you blow up like a hand grenade going off, and then you feel fine, and the rest of us are like we've been exploded on. 
and we're supposed to just forget it happened? Hard conversations, maybe about alcohol. Alcohol never makes a high conflict situation better, never happened. But sometimes people have secret addictions and nobody wants to say anything, shh, don't, don't hurt their feelings. Instead of a DUI, they drive over somebody, now there's litigation, lawsuits, you're gonna lose the house. Wouldn't it have been better to hurt their feelings? Wouldn't it have been better to have a hard conversation than somebody be in a hospital with an overdose? The hard conversation sometimes is about spending. Average American family, Dave Ramsey says, has less than $1,000 in savings. A tiny little hiccup, you know, the, a flat tire, a car battery, and they're in financial catastrophe. Wouldn't it be better to talk about spending than it would be to have catastrophe? Or what about texting? Do you have people in your life that all have the password? Or is your phone like your secret little stash? Wouldn't it be better to have the hard conversation? You'd be amazed how many guys lose a job but their wife has never worked and they're embarrassed that they lost their job so they don't say anything because they don't want their wife to worry. So they wait three months till registered mail starts coming in and then you think the wife is more worried or less worried. Wouldn't it have been easier to have the hard conversation before? Or what about parents that are divorcing? What do you say to the kid? Because for a long time, I worked with the Florida Bar working with very complicated divorces in Florida. And it's amazing to be able to ask the kid, you want your mom to get along with your dad? You know what kids would always say? Yeah. You want your dad to get along with your mom? You know what kids always said? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't it be great to have the hard conversation before it all blew up? What is your behavior and your choices gonna do to these children? Let's kind of think about their needs. Or maybe having a hard conversation about a family member that's not taking care of their health. Well, I didn't wanna say anything. And what I'm encouraging you and I to do is we need to say something. We need to bring things up. You can be addicted to video games. You can be addicted to porn. You can be addicted to online gambling, but to not say anything. Well, he's in his room. I'm just gonna, you know, shh. We can have a hard conversation about money, about health, about I got this diagnosis. We can have hard conversations, but to sit in silence and ignore each other, it's like a tumor. It just gets bigger. And when I think about this, because for some, they go to desperation and they go to suicide because they don't want to talk to somebody. There's a new hotline, 988, from any phone, and you can talk to a suicide counselor 24 hours, day or night, absolutely free. Wouldn't it be better to talk than to try to hide in a bottle or try to hide in a prescription? What about debt? Gas prices, economy, inflation, long-term interest, stock market. Wouldn't it be better to talk about it than to hold it all inside and try to figure it out by yourself? Because what happens is that we start to reach a place of desperation. So most common things to talk about, there's a study guide that maybe you received when you came in, looks like this. If you need one, raise your hand, somebody will bring you a study guide. If you're watching online, uh, please send back and, and say you want the study guide and we'll send it to you later this afternoon or in the morning. 
I put a lot of thought into, I wanted you to have the tools so you could kind of measure. So if you need one, just, just raise your hand, they'll bring you one. Great, thanks. I wanted you to be able to have the tools to kind of see where your relationships are at. So most common, difficult topics to talk about, money and spending. Isn't that weird? People spend money, but they don't want to talk about spending money. So I just, I'm not going to talk about spending. We'll hold it all inside. You take a look at it, family events. Family events like holidays, weddings, funerals, graduations. Well, are we going to invite her? No, I, I don't. I don't want to invite her. Well, but I went to school with her. So, I don't like her. Yeah, but she's my friend. Hard conversations. When there's a wedding, because I was the dad at a wedding and I was happy to be there, but there was this weird thing that happens. It's a really dumb American tradition. Guess who's supposed to pay for the wedding? <laughs> it's like, okay, remember golden rule that we talked about a minute ago, Sean? So if I'm paying for the wedding, guess who wants to pick the DJ? It was the weirdest thing. It's like, I don't know that music. Couldn't we get a DJ? Well, no. I mean, we had some fascinating conversations. Healthy people talk about hard things. When you take a look at secrets, lies, cover up, past regrets, shame, Roe v. Wade. Who talks about that stuff? Did you know that about 90% of on-campus rape, that's a hard word, is never reported? You've heard of something called the freshman 15, if you've been around students, and you know the first college semester, particularly among girls, they'll gain 15 pounds that first year. What you don't know is that it's most likely because of sexual violation. Because if you're heavy, then you're not as big a target. But on college campuses, 90% of it's never reported. I'll just hold it all inside. I'm not going to tell my parents. They're making all these sacrifices to pay for me to go to school. I'm just, I was stupid. I was at a party. I wasn't used to this. I, I'm underage. Some guy said, hey, here's a drink. I didn't know. I woke up the next day. Wouldn't it be great if we could have hard conversations there's a CNN documentary called The Hunting Ground. If you have daughters that went away to college like me, it made me really angry. You can watch it online. Because what it shows is on every major college campus, every major college campus, what I just described to you happens. And guess what is done about it almost always. But my firstborn's a girl. So I watched it and I was troubled. Why don't we talk about these things? It's bad for the football program if people think that girls are going to be hurt here. So, shh, we just don't talk about it. The football program? Couldn't we talk about girls first and somebody's daughter? Hard to talk about secrets and hard subjects. What about addictions? Porn? Gambling? What about addictions? And you say, oh, gambling. Well, when I was going to Publix the other day, there was a line that was probably 100 people deep. They were not there to buy toilet paper. They were there to have a 1 in 303 million chance of becoming a billionaire. Did I mention 303 million? A one person in America chance? Your chances of being bitten by a shark were 1,000 times better than winning. 
gambling is a problem. I've talked to people that spend hundreds of dollars a week, sometimes thousands of dollars a week on their credit card because they're going to get rich. Couldn't we just talk about it? Couldn't we talk about sexual behavior, sexual secrets? Could we have conversations, hard conversations about emotions, people's anger, moodiness? I mean, sometimes, you know, that hangry thing, that's real. And to be able to say, you get really moody sometimes and you're difficult to deal with. And just have a hard conversation. Politics, people talk about politics. That's on your study guide, but I added one on the slide. Talk about workaholism. Talk about exhaustion. Talk about depletion. Talk about sleep. If you want one thing that guarantees your mental health will be better, get better sleep. Just get better sleep. Don't worry about going to a counselor, taking a prescription. Just get better sleep. Couldn't we talk about hard subjects? I'm worried about your health. Wouldn't that be powerful? Now, here's what happens. When we bring up a subject, some people say, you're picking on me, and they feel like that you're attacking them as a person. That's called criticism. They take it personal. You're fighting to be right. Let me give you a suggestion. Use the word, I'm going to switch words, use the word critique. I want to attack a problem. Can I help you solve a problem? That way it doesn't feel like it's a personal attack. And there's an interesting story that comes out of New England. The greatest, the greatest litigation problem of its time was with a guy named Rudyard Kipling. He was born in India, wrote the Jungle Book. You've heard of that. What you didn't know, and look at his quote, words are, of course, the most powerful drug used by mankind. Because family conflict, it's normal for families to have conflict. Families sitting down solving conflict, that's not that normal, but it's healthy. And part of the problem, the challenge was this house. Rudyard Kipling had ran into huge financial problems. That house was a gift from his wife's family in New Hampshire, so they moved there because he was struggling, broke. A lot of writers are in that situation. And they said, well, you know, you, your family, come live with us. We'll give you a house. His children are born in that house. He writes the Jungle Book, Gunga Din, Captain's Courageous. He becomes very wealthy, popular. Guess what his brother-in-law thought should happen now that he has money? Pay for the house. Guess who said, you, you gave me the house. I'm not going to pay for the house. It got so bad, his brother-in-law beat him up. I mean, beat up, beat up. So he files legal charges, and his lawyers, Roger Kipling, his lawyers said, um, the court's going to side with him because some people here, remember, it's the late 1800s. Some people here think that maybe you should have some financial skin in the game. So in the middle of the night, he packs up his wife, the children. They never see the grandparents again. They never see that side of the family again. And he moves everybody back to England. Every graduation you've been to, you've probably heard a poem called If. If you can keep your head when those about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. It's the most quoted thing that he's remembered for. He writes in England, now as an old man, thinking about if people could have kept their heads and managed their words, what would have happened? Healing instead of brokenness. So here's a principle. Arguing usually does not prove who is right. Arguing usually proves who is good at arguing. You can write it down in your study guide. 
She just loves to argue. Right, she's good at arguing. You're not good at arguing. Arguing does not solve the problem. Say it with me. Arguing does not solve the problem. One more time. Arguing does not solve the problem. Well, I'm going to be louder than them. Doesn't solve the problem. And many times I've found that Christians fear confrontation. So before the difficult conversation, ask this question. Is this conversation necessary? Is this difficult conversation going to make the relationship better? If I bring up this topic, is it going to help our relationship? And if so, something powerful happens. Then you can find courage to pray what I pray almost every day, Ephesians 4.15. Speak the truth in a loving way so they can hear and grow. Why do we tell the truth? Why do we bring up difficult subjects? I want the relationship to grow. I don't want you to keep struggling with tobacco. I don't want you to keep struggling with weed. I don't want you to keep struggling with spending. I don't want you to end up at retirement and have nothing because you bought a bunch of stuff at a store 20 years ago on a card. Oh, can we give you a free credit card and you get a t-shirt? The credit card company is going to make money on you. The t-shirt wasn't as good a gift. What would have been better? Not having debt. Being able to bring up some difficult conversations. Here we go. In your study guide, I think it's on uh, page two, right? So, the difficult things. Why don't people bring up difficult subjects? Number one reason, well, I'm afraid if I bring it up, I'll lose the relationship. Oh my gosh. If I say something, she'll never, she'll never call us again. Listen, there's an old saying I learned. If you loan a family member $100 and you never see that family member again, good trade, right? I mean, for some people, <laughs> it's like, let me get this straight. So I loan, I loan your uncle $100 and he's never going to come. Okay, all right, here we go. Fear of losing the relationship. I'm just afraid if I say something, we'll never see the grandkids. Fear of making the other person angry. Shh, you, you don't want to make her angry. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, a monster. Why don't people bring it up? Number three, fear of getting their feelings hurt. I, I don't, I don't want to hurt feelings, you know. I just... I'm just, I'm just going to kind of, you know, wait for somebody else to say something. I'll just, you know, you should go say something. I'll be over here hiding. Fear. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Sometimes you are the perfect person to speak up and challenge something in a relationship. Look at this one. Fear of being the given the label of being a nag instead of being nice. Well, I just want to be nice. You know, we're just nice Christian people, and we eat nice Christian cookies, and wear nice Christian underwear, and do nice Christian things, and, and we just all want to be nice. Big breath. Jesus wasn't nice. Nice people, they name a park after nice people. They name a hospital after nice people. Jesus, they hung on a tree, because he told them the truth. I just, I just want to be nice. No. I've been in enough hospital emergency rooms. People would much rather you have said something about her drinking than be in the ER after a DUI and some people got killed. Much better to have the hard conversation. What about fear of being alone? If I say anything, I'll be alone. What about fear of starting the conversation? Fear of speaking the truth? I'm just afraid. And I will say this, if you're in a situation and somebody's wound up, let them unwind. It's a part of the brain called the amygdala. And when they're wound up and they just want to fight, 
Just let them kind of go off, but don't get into a fight with them. Well, they'll get loud, and I'll get loud, and they'll get, it's a waste of breath. No. There's something called boundaries, and having boundaries is what is acceptable, and being able also, because if you see chaos and confusion, you know there's no boundaries. And sometimes when you start to look around and go, man, this place is chaos, before you say something to them about their chaos, make sure you're chaos. If you're going to talk to them about their clutter, make sure that, you know, it's like, you know, the mom who called out the teenage son, your room is a wreck and it's just a pigsty. Not thinking that the teenage son would say, mom, have you looked in your closet? Because when we start to say, well, I can see their problems, I'm going to call out their problems. You know, mama always said, when you point at somebody, Pastor Tim, how many fingers are pointing back at you? So when I'm able to say, okay, Hi, my name is Dwight. I'm a sinner. Jesus Christ changed my life. I know my flaws. Talk about my flaws. And then it was amazing. It gave me the freedom to be able to see clearly. Jesus said, you know, if you'll deal with the two by four in your own eye, then you can better see to help find the splinter in your friend's eye. Start with you first. Because the extent that you and I can have the hard conversation is an indicator of the health of the relationship. We use numbers in our culture to identify if something's healthy or not. If somebody says, here's my BMI, here's my LDL, HDL, cholesterol, here's my blood sugar, you know something about their physical health. If they say, here's my FICO score, you know something about their financial health. I can tell you relationship health is based on, can you have the hard conversation? Because healthy people can talk about hard things. Because one day, you may be having a hard conversation about cancer, and we don't have insurance that'll cover that. Healthy people can talk about hard things. I, here's what I want you to know. Hard times are coming. Healthy people can talk about it. But yelling, screaming, blaming, attacking, minimizing, justifying, finding some way to blame anybody else except saying, we're in a sinking ship here. It's being able to say no to the dysfunctional behavior to be able to say, I'm going to take responsibility to have a hard conversation. And when the person who sees the sinking ship says, we have a problem we need to talk about financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, issues with kids, issues with job, issues with career, we need to talk about your lack of employment, we cannot make it. When you see the problem and you voice the problem in a healthy way, you prevent a wall you see, in difficult relationships, people build a wall. Every hurt feeling is a brick. They either use the brick to throw as a weapon, and bricks are pretty good weapons. Or they use the bricks to build a wall to say, I will never talk to you again. As soon as I have a chance, I'm going to move out of this place. I will never talk to you again. Talking about things, better than losing the relationship. Oh, yeah, Jesus? Jesus is pretty good about this one. There was a time where there was a woman caught in the act of adultery. They were trying to set Jesus up because they wanted to kill Jesus. And they had big stones, weapons to kill Jesus, not the woman. And they bring this woman. They say, this woman, and here's the deal. Here's what the law says. What do you say? And he said, he that is among you that does not have any sin, go ahead and take a shot. It gets really quiet. They came to kill Jesus. They have weapons. It's an angry mob. How do you shut up an angry mob? 
One time in the Bible, it says Jesus wrote, and he wrote in the sand. And I think what he wrote in the sand was their names and their sins. Rabbi Benjamin, you have a lust problem. Rabbi Saul, you had an affair with that same woman. Rabbi Isaac, I think he wrote in the sand. He didn't say anything because words of Jesus in red. He wasn't going to shame them. How do you get an angry mob to put down their weapons? Hold up a sign about their secrets. And the angry mob goes away, which is heartbreaking. Jesus didn't want them to go away. Jesus wanted them to repent, and they didn't. And later they would come back to kill him. Different day. So what would Jesus say about all the secret, all the stuff? Forgive people. Start with the forgiveness that we feel from him. And here's the principle I want you to have. It's called be curious, not furious. Instead of getting mad and frustrated and angry and irritated all the time, just get curious first with you. Why is this pushing my button? There's something called EQ, emotional intelligence. And the more you and I are aware, we can go, that's weird. That really hurt my feelings. I wonder why. Let me start with me, curious, instead of just blowing up and being furious. When we flip that switch, now we can have a healthy conversation because it starts with awareness. Self-aware is rare. And when I can be aware, I have problems, you have problems, all God's children got problems. Awareness means trusting the people around you when they call you out about something. And I explained this to Sean earlier. Because for a long time, I don't know how long, there would be little irritations in my marriage to Sheila, my best friend. And she, for years, said, you need to get your hearing checked. Or at least I, I think that's what she said. I wasn't sure. And she would say, I told you. And I would go, no, you didn't. And we would have these dumb power struggle conflicts. And I said, to shut you up, woman, I will go get my hearing checked. And you know what I found out? I needed hearing aids. Almost 70% improvement in this year. 30% in the other. And dumb fights went away. It's like, wow, that's weird. Huh. Now, I wanted to say, why didn't you say anything sooner? Because this is so much better. But I was afraid because she's a concealed weapon. Well, I won't, I won't go there. <laughs> to be able to say, okay, fine. I know I have problems. You have problems. Everybody got problems. So what? It, and I went and got it checked. Wow. That was powerful. Right? Here's the principle. When you and I can talk through it, we can get through it. When we can bring up and make conversations in our home safe, you can get through anything. You don't have to have a counselor, a social worker, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. When we can talk about difficult topics, we can get through most things if you're not afraid to have the difficult conversation. It starts with maturity in us. And the maturity, maturity just means full development. Turn to somebody next to you and say, get mature, grow up. Just grow up. Just try that. Just, just, get, you know, just grow up, would you? Right? And so to be able to say, just grow up, to, as we start to get mature, we can have conversations about driving and spending and parking. It got really quiet over here. I'm not sure. Was it the driving or the parking? As we start to mature, we can have, we can accomplish the goals. Here's the goals. Here we go. You see it in your study guide. You see it on the screen. To give insight into how can we have a better relationship. That's the goal. 
Not I'm right, you're wrong. That's blaming, attacking, making somebody the loser. Because if they're the loser, because you won the fight, you lost the relationship. The relationship is worth more than winning an argument. I really set them straight about who to vote for. And they're never going to come to our home again. What did you accomplish? Well, I proved I was a big horses. Well, no. Do you, I mean, vote. But do you really think you screaming about something politically will change the country? Or just make you look like you need to get some help? Healthy people talk about stuff. They don't yell and scream. So being able to say, I want a better relationship, and then look at this. I want a reasonable conclusion, a reasonable way to solve this problem. Because relationships take work. There's an answer key at the last page if you're looking. But relationships take work, and relationships are not automatic. We've been together for years. Relationships take work. Relationships are not automatic. And I love the bumper sticker. I don't have to attend every argument I'm invited to. So how do I determine who's right? Well, look into the scriptures. The scriptures, and King Solomon taught, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. A person of insight draws them out. Get curious to figure things out instead of letting the sun go down when you're angry. No. Being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. There's wisdom. Full show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Not always getting your feelings hurt because you're trying to figure it out. That's what scripture teaches. Oh yeah, and important conversations, the most important conversation, it's not who to vote for. The most important conversation, what have you done with Jesus Christ? It's amazing. There are people that happily would talk about issues of alcohol or porn or spending, and they'll bring up the difficult subjects. I think that he's addicted to video games, but they don't talk about the Lord. Talking about the Lord's more important. What do you do with Jesus? In a moment, we're going to have a chance to be able to answer that question. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.